Hello and welcome to the Power in the Key podcast. I'm your host, Neil Winterton, and joining me on the line he does every week, it's Ben Cad. How are you, Caddy? Going well, we know. Going very well. Thank you for a cold and windy spring night here in Melbourne. It's Ridiculous, freezing, isn't it? Funny <laughs> joke. But anyway, hopefully we get, get a turn of weather at some, some stage as soon as we head towards the holiday season. Well, you bloody hope so, mate. It's been freezing for the last couple of weeks, and as you said, it's uh, with summer coming up, we'd, we'd, we're finally allowed to go out and do stuff, but it's a bit too wet to to do anything at the moment. So you, you had a big week, mate. You, you sold your your parents' house, which you'd lived in your whole life, obviously, until you moved out. Yeah, so that was a yeah big thing for mum and dad to move out of, out of the home. They've been there for 44 years, and um, yeah, they're going to head down closer to my younger brother, Patrick, who I know is an avid listener of the pod. Weekly, um, every week. Couldn't quite get him on the line tonight, but um, yeah, no, they're going to move a bit closer down Geelong way, and um, yeah, spend their retirement down down there, which would be great. And if any, if any of the listeners are looking to sell their property, of course you can contact Ben Cat Impact Realty. He's uh, one of the one of the best in the business. So uh, yeah, hand it over yeah, to Caddy. And great supporters of the podcast too, uh, the team at Impact Realty. So yeah, get behind them, and yeah, if you do have a, a property to to move, then yeah, get in touch. Bloody oath. So, Caddy, we're now four or five weeks into the NBA season, so I thought what we'd do, we did this at some stage uh, during last season as well, is play the NBA stock market. So I'm going to give you, it'll be four tonight, four statements, and you're going to decide, we'll both decide actually whether we want to buy, sell, or hold that statement. So we'll start, Caddy, with the Golden State Warriors. They're 11-1 and one after they beat your Chicago Bulls yesterday. Their only loss coming so far this season in overtime. They've won Seven, they've won their last seven games, in fact, by double digits, including wins by 21, 22, 41, and 26 points. They lead the league, Caddy, in net rating, defensive rating, points per game, assists per game, steals per game, and three-pointers per game. So, Caddy, I'm going to say to you, Golden State are the team to beat in the West. Do you want to buy, sell, or hold that statement? Well, look, I think we have to buy it, to be honest, and I, I can't exactly remember where I was with them on their I think over-unders. We both, I think we both went under, unfortunately. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me because I think um, initially, you know, with the, the Clay Thompson out, um, obviously at the start of the season, and I think we, we probably were expecting, well, I did certainly was in terms of, you know, the amount of load that Steph Curry was going to have to, to wear in the early part of the season, and he hadn't really handled that entirely that well over the past year or two. So I, I probably had my doubts as to, you know, whether they were going to be able to hold up early in the season. And it's gone, you know, obviously totally the opposite of that. Their their 11-1 record is is really incredible. And you, you rattled off some of the margins they've been winning by there and some of the stats. The fact that, you know, their only loss did come in overtime. You know, it, it, I saw a stat, I think, during the coverage yesterday around how many, um, you know, wins in regulation effectively uh, they had on the trot. And it's now becoming, you know, almost historical numbers in that top 10 of all time consecutive wins so then they're flying along really really well and and I think the most impressive thing which is again something we you know I certainly didn't see coming is just the the amount of depth on this on this squad and the and the um contributions that they're getting all the way down the roster and it opens up a whole Pandora's box of questions around you know how the roster is going to shake out once Clay Thompson and and also James Wiseman potentially come back into the lineup. They're, they've almost got too much depth. They're already batting really, really deep and getting so much terrific production out of their bench and sort of lesser, lesser light players um, in particular. So it'll be fascinating how that shakes out. But obviously, um, the key to the whole thing is Steph Curry, as, as we know. And again, he's been just wonderful 
to start the season and so exciting to watch. It's almost back to, you know, when he, he, he turned the NBA on his head, you know, six or seven years ago. The three-point shooting's just been majestic. The amount of times he's, again, already this season twice, he's had nine three-pointers in the one game. He's had a 40-point, a 50-point game, averaging 28 points a game. It's just awesome to watch. And, and some of the shot-making, again, is, is incredible. And, um, he's, and he's found himself another running partner there in the backcourt in Jordan Paul, who's really stepped up and, and I assume it has surprised everyone with his level of play. Yeah, he certainly has. There was a bit of a spruik on Jordan Poole leading into the preseason. A lot of the sort of the, the, the scribes, I suppose, that follow the Warriors had been speaking glowingly about Jordan Poole. But he, he sort of started the year well and had a flat period, but he certainly found his groove again. So for me, I think the most impressive thing, Caddy, is you mentioned the fact that, that Steph Curry's been playing very good basketball. He certainly has. He's averaging 28, 6 and 6 shooting 40% from three on an incredible 13 attempts a game. So he's obviously not fly about, uh, not shy about letting it fly from, from downtown. But I think they've been able to get a number of wins as well without Curry absolutely dominating. And certainly in the past couple of seasons, if, if Curry didn't play well, they were absolutely no chance of winning. So I think that's the biggest positive from my perspective. And you sort of mentioned, you know, the depth that they've got. You know, they've bought in... Otto Porter Jr., he's shooting 45% from three. Nemanja Bialica was leading the league in, in three-point percentage. I think he's dropped below uh, to sit in the top five at the moment, still shooting 50% from three. You know, they found something in in Gary Payton II, who I think has got the, the best nickname at the moment. They call him the Mitten Caddy. Obviously, <laughs> his dad was known as the Glove. They're calling him the Mitten, which I absolutely love. But his defense is just absolutely outstanding. And what an athlete. I'm sure you've, you've seen some of those dunks that uh, Gary Payton's been throwing down. So he's almost playing a, a similar role to what Bruce Brown was doing for the Brooklyn Nets last year, that sort of undersized, almost center-type athlete role. So he's been really good. Uh, Damien Lee coming off the bench, shooting splits of 48, 43, and 87 splits, uh, shooting uh, 12 points a game. So as you said, it's just the depth that, that's been really impressive. And as you mentioned too, they've still got Clay Thompson to come back in the fold. I think there were some some reports during the week that he could even be uh, coming back before Christmas. So, you know, he hasn't played for a couple of seasons now. So we don't obviously know exactly what we'll get out of Clay Thompson, but he, he's surely going to add at least some 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 shooting to what uh, they're giving at the moment. And as you said, Wiseman as well. So they're, they're really, really deep. So so when you look across the, the West, Caddy, what, going into the season, you would probably think, well, a lot of people, probably not us, because we went uh, overly high on, on the Lakers, but most people were, were thinking the Lakers, uh, Phoenix and Utah were probably the three sort of standout teams. Now that we've got sort of a month or so of basketball behind us, what's your sort of pecking order at the moment for teams in the West? Well, look, it is hard to go past the Golden State Warriors as being, you know, the team to beat really. Um, now they've, they've proven it night in, night out through the season. And, I, and again, the defence is the staggering numbers there. Leading the league in defence is not something you'd probably generally associate with a Steph Curry-led team, if you like. And, you know, they're getting great service once again, um, you know, just incredibly out of Andre Iguodala, who's come back to Golden State playing 20 minutes a night. And even uh, in yesterday's game, he um, had a couple of big dunks on the run as well and really elevating and jumping around looking... The bench relative. loved it too when he threw that one down, didn't they? Yeah, looking really sprightly out there. And, um, yeah, so him along with Draymond Green. And we're getting really, you know, consistent now level performances out of Andrew Wiggins. I think now finally we... We kind of know what he is, and we're not ex- the expectation level, I suppose, isn't as as high, and, and the hope that he's going to turn into something um, isn't quite there anymore. I think he's sort of found a role, you know, still as a you know a secondary scorer, but not having to 
to you know score in the high twenties every night. He's just found his groove, and again, he's he's um, been able to shoot the ball a bit better this year, I think, from what from what we've seen. So um, that's that's been really really good to watch. But as I said, I think the defense has been surprising, and I'd have them still at the top. You know, Phoenix again eight and three. You can't really knock what they've been able to do out of the gates. They've done a lot of that also without DeAndre Ayton in the previous few games, so they're tracking well. So I'd have them probably as my top two. Denver and Dallas, I had both over as well. I thought they were going to be good teams again this season, and they're, they're proving that. Utah's had a bit of a, a form slump at the moment. I think they're still going to be there. So I'd have them as my five. And then the two LA teams probably in, in behind that. Um, still can't really get a, a full read on on the Lakers, clearly, without LeBron James. But I, I didn't love what I saw with LeBron, Westbrook, and Davis. I didn't love the mix, mix there. And I think, you know, the even though they do have great depth on paper, I don't think it's, it's really working through onto the court with some of those guys not producing at really at a great level. So Portland, as I mentioned earlier, I, I don't have you know huge high, high hopes for them. And you're sort of down to the Memphis and, and teams like that. OKC's probably been the big surprise. The, the, the team you labelled the worst team in the history of the NBA, do, do you owe them an apology, Caddy? Oh, they're, I think they're, it's they're sitting just... five and six. Yeah, and, and on a four-game tear as well, which is and having beaten the Lakers twice this season, so yeah, the, the Lakers might be half. There might be a shot in the playoffs as long as they don't run into the buzzsaw that is the OKC Thunder. Well, you know, and all credit to them. And I, this kind of happened last year with OKC, where the, you know they were built to lose. They came out and started winning, winning, and having to basically park most of their good players by the end of the season to try and you know, push back down the standings. Look, I think that'll be a natural fall at some point. But you hats off to them because they're. Certainly coach well and they're competitive and I just still don't have them in the, the top echelon by any stretch. But, yeah, a, a, a real surprise, um, particularly over the last week or two. Certainly. Yeah. So for, for me, I'm just going to hold on Golden State being the team in the West. I, th- I think the biggest or one of the biggest changes is the fact they're just playing more guys this season with experience. And, and you brought up, you know, bringing Iguodala into the fold. He's obviously got the experience playing with both Draymond and Steph Curry. So he knows the Warriors system really well. and and Otto Porter and Bielitsa, they're just experienced guys. And, you know, that we haven't seen much of Kaminga and Moody and obviously we haven't seen any of Wiseman. So they've just sort of – last year I think they were trying to strike a bit of a balance between, you know, winning games and, and pumping some minutes into Wiseman. Now, given the fact that he's injured, they haven't sort of had to cross that bridge yet. So it will be interesting to see how they do handle the, the, James, the James Wiseman conundrum if you like when he comes back but they've been able to just sort of play some more experienced guys and I think that's certainly served them well but if, if you look at they've had a little bit of a soft draw and you can obviously only beat who you're playing and you know they've got a net rating of, of plus 14.3 so they've certainly been impressive but they've played eight home games and only three away games and the wins have come against the Lakers the Clippers Sacramento twice against OKC Charlotte New Orleans Houston Atlanta Minnesota and Chicago so there's probably, you know, the Lakers, the Clippers, Chicago are, are pretty are pretty handy wins, but I don't think any of those other teams are, are going to be too much uh, chop uh, come the you know, once we get going into the season. So I'm just going to hold that they're certainly right there and, and certainly playing above what I expected them to play leading into the season. But, you know, Phoenix are playing well and Utah are probably another team that you've got to look at and, and expect that they're going to finish the season strongly. So I'm just going to hold. You were going to buy that statement, I think you said, didn't you, early on? Yeah, I, I will. I, and again, it's probably more egging, egging face in terms of where I had them at the start. But I, I, I love what I'm seeing. Even, you know, the little flushes we got out of Jonathan Kaminga in the blowout win against the Bulls was really exciting. He, Good athlete, he isn't he? a couple of massive dunks um, down, down sort of as the clock was running down. And 
Yeah, so you know, if they can stay relatively healthy um, with the list they've got, they, you know, it's just going to be fascinating to see how they flush out the rotation. But yeah, look at it, it's that that arena they're playing in again. Is uh, they haven't really been able to utilise that during the COVID pandemic, and now they're back there, and it has become a, another fortress once again. So now, look, I, I'll be riding their coattails now all the way through. I like it. So we'll move on now, Caddy, to the to the Washington Wizards. They're nine and three. After their win against Orlando today, they're the fourth-ranked defense, the thirteenth-ranked offense, and their seventh in net rating. And surprisingly, I don't think anybody would have uh, predicted this. They're first in the East. So, Caddy, I'm asking you: the Washington Wizards are a lock for the playoffs. Do you want to buy, hold, or sell that statement? Yeah, with the Wizards, I think I'll be just holding that statement for now in terms of you know being a lock for the playoffs. I mean, they've certainly made a terrific start, as you've outlined, and, and wins in the bank this time. You know, this time of the season, you know, are worth gold, obviously, and four-game win streak again for them at the moment. But I think there's some teams down the order, namely the Milwaukee Bucks, who are currently sitting 11th. Um, we obviously expect to, to come through the Atlanta Hawks on a you know, surprising six-game losing streak. You'd expect to come back up. Indiana, who knows? So I think there's still a few teams to... To potentially it's make a bit all over the shop, isn't it, the East at the moment? As you said, that you've got those teams on the outside looking in of even the play-in tournament. So, it, yeah, it's, it's a bit to shake out. And, it, and it's quite even. So it's probably a little bit dissimilar to the, to the West because the West have really got, you know, already at the bottom, the Houston Rockets 1-11, New Orleans 2-12. and We probably expect the OKC will end up, you know, in that type of situation, the Spurs as well. So there's probably a lot of worse, you know, really tanking teams in the West, whereas the East is chopped up. A little bit closer, um, which makes it, you know, a little bit harder to probably forecast, or you know, hand on heart say that the team's going to be able to stick there. So the Wizards, you know, clearly have got something going at the moment. Uh, the, the new pieces that have come in, uh, particularly in that Russell Westbrook uh, Westbrook trade, Cole Kuzma has been really, really good. Montrezl Harrell has been a stud again off the bench. You know, back to that Clippers form, really in that six man a year conversation once again. Um, the Spencer Dinwiddie uh, signing looks really, really good as well at the moment. He's come out and looking sharp and fit. 16 points a game and nearly 30 minutes of playing time. So they've made some really good roster decisions. There's been a, a bit of a spruik already for the GM Tommy Shepard to be almost um, anointed the general manager of the year, you know, probably a little bit early. Just for a that, fraction but, you know, early, yeah. For that trade, did get them back a first-round pick they, as well. They've got a whole so. bloody team from a caddy. It's not bad. <laughs> so and look, and this has all been done as well without Thomas Bryan, who we haven't seen this year. I don't know when we will uh, get him back off his ACL uh, last or the start of this year. Rui Hashimura is another one that's not not out on the court um, or even with the team at this stage. So there's you know there is a little bit of upside around the group, and yeah, I, I don't think they can be asked to do any more than what they currently are. But yeah, I think knowing the history of the franchise and uh, the limited success that they've had over the years, I think it probably be a little bit ambitious to to lock them in just at this stage. Well, I'm going to be positive, Caddy. I'm buying this statement. I've just been super impressed. I mean, we, we both really liked uh, the trade they made for Westbrook. And as I said, they pretty much got a whole rotation out of the fact that they were able to trade Russell Westbrook. It allowed them to bring in Spencer Dinwiddie as well. So I think we both – I certainly went over, and I'm pretty sure you did as well when we did our over-under our over podcast. So we were pretty bullish – 
on the Wizards, but I don't think either of us thought they were going to come out you know, this hot. But as you said, that they've certainly got plenty of upside. You mentioned the fact that Hachimura or Thomas Bryant hadn't even taken the court yet. So there's two really big pieces for them that can certainly add once they are able to get back on the court. But Bradley Beal, who was you know was second in the league in scoring last year, he's playing nowhere near the level that he usually does. He's averaging 23 points a game, but he's shooting a, a career low a field goal percentage and three-point percentage. So no doubt he's going to find his groove at some stage. He's been a quality player for a number of years and he's he's going to come back up and, you know, he's going to start hitting his shots. So there's some upside there with him and there's some upside too with Bertans, who certainly hasn't lived up to the contract that they signed him that they signed him to two off seasons ago, but he's only shooting thirty three percent from from three, and you know he's usually up you know in the high thirties or even low in low forties. So there's some upside there from the guys not playing, and also the guys that are playing. But yeah, you mentioned you know Kuzma, Harrell, KCP, Dinwiddie, you know even Gafford, who they got in that trade last year at the trade deadline and and re signed in the off season. He's been really good for them as well. So. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty bullish about the fact that I, I think the the Washington Wizards will end up making the playoffs, but it, it's just such a competitive East this season, isn't it, Caddy? We're used to sort of seeing, you know, maybe one or two really good teams, and then probably four or five really bad teams. But when you sort of run your eye over the Eastern Conference, it's really only Orlando and Detroit that you could run a pen through and say they're no chance of making the play-in tournament. And there's there's obviously been some you know some pretty big surprises in and one Washington who were who were sitting on top in the Eastern Conference, but Cleveland I don't think anybody saw them being nine and five. You know New York have sort of you know seven and six, Charlotte seven and seven, Toronto I know you were pretty low on Toronto, but they're they're seven and seven as well. So you know as you said, banking these wins early is just going to be so valuable because it's going to be a bloody tough you know it's going to be tough sledding trying to trying to get a place in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And, you know, I, I, I for one, uh, am keen on the Washington Wizards making it. But out of that bunch that you uh, that are there at the moment, Caddy, obviously Milwaukee and possibly Atlanta, you'd expect to at least jump into the top 10. Which two, two, or, two, two or three teams can you see sliding out of that sort of top 10 in the East? Well, I mean, it's it's really Cleveland that you're looking at as the, the real, well, along with probably Washington who we're talking about now, but Cleveland's really looking like the overachiever early in the season. They're, they're doing this um, still without um, some really key personnel. Uh, Markinen hasn't played the last few games because of COVID, same with Kevin Love. So the, the depth has been tested, but they continue to pull out some really strong results. So, I mean, you hope they continue it on because it, it's a great story if they can make a run. Obviously, Colin Sexton's the other one that's going to be out for an indefinite period of time. So they've been able to sort of hold this record against the odds, really, I, I would have thought. Uh, so yeah, Cleveland's probably the one that you, you readily identifies as probably not being there at the end. You know, Chicago, this Vucevic, um, uh COVID scares, you know, really testing what we thought was going to be a, a bit of a weak bench mob as it, as it stands. And then, you know, they're still missing Patrick Williams, as we know, for the majority of the season. Kobe White's still not there. So they're on a tough road trip at the moment. And, you know, you, you'd probably expect them to drop a few more games out on the West as well. Yeah, so there's some surprises there, but I'd probably, if I had to nominate two, it would be Cleveland in the four seed now to drop out, Charlotte in the eight seed. I think they'll uh, find the going a bit tough as the season goes on as well. Yeah, yeah certainly Cleveland it seemed to be the obvious one, and you'd reckon that, yeah, between Charlotte or maybe even Toronto perhaps, but they're, they're I, I like they're over, but they're over and under was only sort of 
I don't know, in the high 20s or something, wasn't it, at the start of the season. So they've got Siakam back. He had a really good game today, put up some numbers. So maybe now that they've got him back in the fold, and obviously Scotty Barnes has been super impressive as a rookie. So maybe, they, maybe they'll maybe they sort of fight for one of those spots. But it's, it's really good, I think, to see the East. Um, as I said, you know, they've been called the least in conference for the, for the good part of 10 or 15 years just because they've been so far behind the West in, in terms of having quality teams in, in the East. But I think this year it's fair to say that they are certainly, you know, got a lot more better teams, whether they've got sort of the higher upside teams of the West, but they've certainly got a much deeper uh, Eastern Conference than we're used to seeing. So good for the league to have that. And, you know, we, we're going to get some quality teams all the way down to that to that 10th seed so we'll move on now, Caddy, to the next one. And for me, it's I think it, I think it's time, Caddy, that you put some respect on Paul George's name. You you <laughs> you have just thrown mud on him across the uh, last couple of seasons. We've been doing this. I called him the Ross Geller of the MVP of the uh, NBA because I think Ross Geller gets uh, some mud thrown on him as even though he's a very very good friends character, Caddy. He for whatever reason he's much maligned, and Paul George was exactly the same, much maligned. But I think. You know, this season he's been outstanding. He's averaging 26, 8 and uh, five and a half assists, shooting 45, 36 and 86% splits and playing some really elite defense as well, as well, Caddy. So I'm saying to you, Paul George belongs in the MVP discussion. Do you want to buy, sell or hold that statement? Oh, you put me on the spot there with that. I mean, you're looking at the, the standings and the seven-game win streak and, and you've rattled off his numbers. I was sort of giggling. Uh, to myself at the start of the season when they were one and four and thinking, yep, here we go again. It's all the talk on Paul George and, you know, going to lead the team and all that, that type of stuff. But, yeah, once again, at this stage, he's, he's looking to prove that wrong. But in terms of MVP, I mean, that's a, that's a big call. You know, there's a, you know, you look at look around the league already and you're probably looking at guys like Steph Curry, Jokic once again, KD. Uh, you know, it's pretty strong company that you're asking us to put him into. But, you know, the numbers are, are probably okay in terms of MVP quality. Um, and certainly, you know, the, if the record can can stay as it is, you know, they're, what are they, fifth in the West at the moment, eight and four, they're going to need to at least continue at that race. I just wonder whether this Clippers team is good enough to maintain that, even with Paul George playing at this level. Look, I'll hold that for now. I'm just not willing to, to go there. And I don't think, you know, we, we know there's no love lost between self and PG, so I don't think he'll be too offended by that statement. And you're a you know, hater. Just, you're you're an absolute hater, Kate. <laughs> well, just, you know, it's an 82 game season. We're 12 games through. We've got 70 to go, and he'd want to, you know, play at least at that level, or if not even better uh, for the remainder. And you know, I'd probably still question whether he's, he's up to it. Well, he, he he could do anything, and he just would never convince you, would he? He's just. I'm going to buy this. I, I think he belongs in the conversation. I think to have the Clippers, as you said, they started the year slowly. Now currently on a seven-game win streak at eight and four. I don't think anybody really thought with Kawhi Leonard being out that the the Clippers would be right up there. It's a, they're an interesting team because there there was some reports that came out during the week that you know perhaps Kawhi Leonard isn't done for the season. Apparently he's doing some some box jumps, Caddy. They didn't actually say how high the box was. It could only be one box. We don't know, but uh, at least he's doing some sort of explosive work. So they're a bit of an interesting team and. It'll be it will be interesting to see how they go over the next sort of month or so. But if we're just talking purely in the MVP discussion, as you said, you, you ran through the names there: Curry uh, twenty eight six and six. The, the the Warriors are on fire. Durant twenty nine eight and five. Listen to his splits: fifty nine percent from the field, forty three percent from three, and eighty two percent, which is actually down on what he usually shoots from the free throw line. Brooklyn Nets are nine and four. They're just sort of just. 
they're just flying under the radar, aren't they? Just probably they didn't start the year all that well. Harden was struggling, but they seem to have found their groove now. So KD's just playing unbelievable ball. Nikola Jokic, 25, 14, and 6, 59, 35, 75 splits. Denver, 8 and 4. Again, they've been really good without Murray and now Porter Jr. being out. Giannis sort of has to be around there, even though Milwaukee are probably just sleepwalking their way uh, through the start of the season. So you'd say Curry, Durant, Jokic, Giannis, and I'm going to throw Paul George in there as sort of the, the, the top five at the moment. Can you see anyone outside of those five sort of easing their way into into the discussion as the season goes on? We're probably looking at guys like Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell, if, if, if Utah Jazz sort of continue to play really well. Even maybe Ja Morant, who started the year on fire. He's probably come back to earth a little bit over the last week or two. But do you see anyone outside those five I mentioned maybe bringing themselves into the, into the discussion? Yeah, look, I think Doncic is probably the only one that you've mentioned there, which I'd give a, a live chance to. Um, you didn't mention Joel Embiid, did you, I don't think? I didn't, know. He's obviously missed a lot of the season and, and started a little bit slowly as well. But, yeah, he's certainly another name you could throw in there. Yeah, he'd, he'd have to get on a real tear uh, when he comes back and, and really shake it down, which I, I think he possibly can. But Luca's numbers at 25, 8 and 7, you know, they're, they're kind of in that mix of the what you rattled off before. And um, Dallas's record strong and, and you know, he's clearly the number one guy on that team and, and the team leader. So I think he, he'll be in that conversation most of the way through when you when we start, you know, hearing some of these um, chats about the MVP discussion. So I'd have him in that mix as well as a, as a, a live chance. I'm going to try and convince you one last time to just sort of get rid of the hate that you have of Paul George. And I'm, and I'm going to do this, Caddy, by asking you one, one simple question. Who, who is the Los Angeles Clippers' second best player? <laughs> well, um, it'd have to be Reggie Jackson. Okay. <laughs> so, so their second best player is Reggie Jackson, a guy who's bounced around from OKC to Detroit. You know, he had a decent playoff last year for the Clippers. And... So Paul George is carrying a team with with the second best player being Reggie Jackson up to the record that they've got at the moment. Can I convince you that Paul George is a, is a good player now, Caddy? Because he's carrying a team that's got Reggie Jackson as their second best player to a what are they fifth or sixth in the West? Yeah, you're working you know overtime here on on this, but um, now look, I, I think he's done an outstanding job. All credit to him. He'll be an All Star. There's no doubt about that. He, look, he's paid like an all star. He's, um, you know, held a couple of teams to ransom now over over the journey. So you'd have <laughs> Ooh, to another have to... another barb thrown at him. <laughs> you'd, you know, you'd like to think he's producing at this type of level, and you know, I, I just like to see for another seventy games. We know Kawhi's not coming back anytime soon, and yeah, it's a, it's been impressive what he's been able to do. Um, the last seven games, as I said, it didn't start off that well, one and four, and and, and some real question marks, but. Um, yeah, hopefully that they can continue on as they go through the season. So, you know, I think their schedule's been relatively fair at this stage, so there's no, nothing to scoff at there. But, yeah, no, Paul George has been a terrific player over many years and, and continues to be, and I just think he's got to still prove it a little bit longer for me. Well, hopefully he can do that. Just on the Clippers, where do you sort of see them in the Western Conference? You know, all jokes aside, having a team that's got Reggie Jackson as your second-best player probably doesn't bode well for you to be, you know, a powerhouse in the West. But they've, they're they sort of doing it by committee, aren't they, outside of Paul George, who's averaging the 26 points, as I said earlier. You've got Jackson averaging 18 points, and then you've got one, two, three, four, five players averaging 10 points a game in Terrence Mann, Eric Bledsoe, Nicholas Batum, uh, Luke Kennard, and Zubach as well. So they're just sort of doing it all by committee, 
You know, Marcus Morris has only played the two games so far. Could you see them potentially sort of hovering around somewhere between four to seven throughout the year, getting, you know, Morris obviously back into the fold? I'm not sure how much longer Morris is is due to be out. And then Kawhi coming back in maybe sort of the last week or two or whatever it may be and, and into the playoffs. Could you see them potentially being a championship contender if they can get back, let's say, a 70 to 80% healthy Kawhi Leonard? Look, if they can hold hold that, well, I mean, they're fifth at the moment. So you said between what four and seven. Yeah. Look, I think they'll end up in that kind of playoff, uh, that play-in range. So they're going to be not going to have a lot of time to integrate Kawhi in, particularly you know those must-win games at the end of the season. Look, if he's back and in some sort of fitness, then you'd expect you know if they are in the play-in, they should be able to get their way through. They should be a you know a top, certainly a top eight team, maybe a top six team if all things are going right. At the moment, as it currently stands, Sands. Kawhi, I have them outside the best six six teams in the West, and I think they're in that seven to ten range. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's probably where I would have them as well. But if they can get Kawhi back into the fold, you know, they're going to be a very dangerous team come playoff time, aren't they? They're going to be somebody that if they finish in that seventh spot and, you, and you've worked all season, similar, I suppose, last year to the Lakers landing in that seventh spot and Phoenix had played so well throughout the season and they come up against the Lakers in that first round. Now, they obviously beat them, but they certainly got some assistance with with an injury to to Anthony Davis. So, you know, there's going to certainly be some nervous teams uh, come the back end of the season if Kawhi comes back. And they've also got Serge Ibaka, who's finally worked his way uh, back onto the court, he's gone down and started playing in the G League for a couple of games, which was which was interesting to see for a guy who's you know thirty two years old. But he's looked very very rusty. Not not surprising given he's missed so much basketball. But I thought I watched him closely for a couple of minutes when he was out on the court. I think it was his second game, and he was seemed to be at least running around okay. But his shot was way off. He he airballed a three by by a long way. So he certainly needs to find his touch. But if they can get Kawhi going and a Barker back up and going. Um, they could be a very dangerous team come playoff time. So we'll move on now, Caddy, to our last one. And we've seen uh, over the last week, we've seen two dust-ups, I suppose, if you if you want to call them that. So the first one was uh, we saw the one between Jokic and Markeith Morris where, where Markeith Morris body-checked uh, Nikola Jokic in, in one of those take-foul situations and Jokic didn't take too kindly to it and basically charged Morris uh, when Morris had his back turned and, and knocked him to the ground and I thought Morris sort of carried on a little bit and got up and fell over and they brought a stretcher out and it was, you know, very theatrical and I thought he was sort of carrying on a little bit but subsequently he hasn't played uh, since that incident so he obviously did cop a fair bit of uh, whiplash from that and we had Jimmy Jimmy Butler also going crazy and you know wanting to fight everyone and I think uh, Jokic, Morris and Butler were all fined and Jokic uh, got the one game suspension and then a few days later we had uh, Rudy Gobert and, and Miles Turner uh, getting into Caddy what can only be described as a cuddling session it was uh, it was it was very laughable uh, I think Gobert dragged uh, Turner down after he blocked his shot and then you know, Ingles and Donovan Mitchell come running in and I think they both sort of made contact with the ref and, and they both got ejected. But it was it was very laughable, Caddy. So what I'm going to say to you is that the NBA has the worst fights or scuffles in professional sports. Do you want to buy, sell or hold that statement? Um, I'm with you. I'll buy that statement. I think, yeah, some of the, some of the antics, you know, it, 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 there's so little that they can do and, and the punishments are, are pretty severe. I mean, even... Um, our man Joe Ingles um, from the from the one with Rudy Gobert, who Ingles sort of came in and 
and effectively tried to get in between the, the players and, and he ended up sort of pushing one of the, one of the opposition players and he copped a 30 grand fine. So, you know, there, there is some significant penalties around there. So there's not a hell of a lot they can do. They can't exactly... That's a bit like the AFL now, I suppose, where you know a lot of pushing and shoving, and it doesn't really escalate too much more than that. But the NBA is um, famous for it, I think, um, the last you know fifteen twenty years, particularly post you know the malice in the palace, which is obviously the one that really, when you look back at it, is, is just incredible to see. So yeah, now I, I think a lot of this stuff, and I think Andrew Bogut, um, he was quick to, to tweet after one of the fights is, you know, just all this huffing and puffing and uh, particularly um, your your Miami Heat really, really took it to the next level and looked like they were going to storm the, the change rooms and hold me back, hold me back, all this sort uh, of the, crap. The old, so, old Jalen Rose hold me back, yeah. Yeah, so I think when, when, once you get to the hold me back, hold me back, I think it's, it's generally um, all theatrical and, you know, if they were really going to throw down, they'd probably throw down and, and, and they just don't. So, you know, what, what we saw out of Nikola Jokic, I think, was as aggressive as, you know, a hit you're going to see. Mm. Um, you, you, you know, to, to do it without someone really probably expecting that contact, it does, yeah, certainly shake you up. And I, I probably agreed with you at the time in terms of Morris really selling it and looked to be, um, you know, up and down and, and really, and really making it, it, it every part of it look like it, he was really injured. But as you said, he hasn't played since, so there might be something in it. I think the last one that was probably similar to that, was it Pat Beverly on Chris Paul? Yeah. Someone on Chris yep. Paul. Yeah, Pat Beverly um, charged him, yep. Yeah, so that was probably the last one like that you'd seen where the player probably wasn't anticipating the contact, um, which, uh, you know, that, that's probably as tough, a, you know, a, a, or as weak a thing I suppose to do. But when you do look at the contact Jokic got, um, he probably had was within his rights to remonstrate um, he certainly took it to the next level, but yeah, outside of that, you know, there's no one coming in throwing haymakers. Um, there's just too much on the line for these these players. But yeah, so I think a lot of it's just um, huff and puff and hold me back and a bit of Jimmy Butler jawing. That's about the extent of the the fights these days. Yeah, it is quite funny. We also had the the added, I suppose, bonus caddy of of the Jokic brothers. I, I don't know if you caught up with that getting on Twitter and and, and having a go at. Uh, I think Markeith Morris had the go first, and then at. Uh, Sticking up for his brother, oh sorry, Marcus Morris sticking up for Markeith Morris, and then the Jokic brothers actually created a Twitter account just to uh, tweet back at uh, at Morris and basically sort of inviting them to uh, to maybe uh, punch on a little bit. But as you said, it's there's all a little bit of hold me back, and and Jimmy Jimmy Butler was the the sort of perfect example of that. He was sort of on the scene when it happened, and you know he was getting involved a little bit, sort of breaking it up. But then after Jokic went and sat down at the opposite end of the court, and and Butler walked away to his bench. That's when he decided to start going off and 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 wanted to fight everyone. But he was he was trying to fight people that were fifty meters away from him, and there was there was about three people trying to hold him, and he was carrying on. It was just the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen. So there's no doubt that uh, that the fight, and then of course the 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 one we had between you know Gobert and Turner was was just laughable. So after that, we did have Kendrick Perkins come out on on the NBA Jump or whatever they're calling that that new iteration of that TV show, Caddy, and he named his his first team all black all black alley. So these are the guys that you don't want to meet in a on a dark alley. So he went with Udonis Haslam, James Johnson, Pat Beverly, Montres Harrell, and PJ Tucker. You happy with that five? Or is there, is there anyone you think should be involved in that? I, I thought Bobby Portis, who uh who uh who landed one on Miritich's chin a couple of seasons back <laughs> at the Chicago Bulls, probably a little bit stiff not to make it given he's he's got the history of throwing a, a punch and he's got the crazy eyes as well. But are you happy with the with the his first team all black alley that he's uh, announced then? 
Yeah, no, there's a there's some real um, tough guys amongst that group. Uh, certainly, they're lacking some some you know really free flowing scoring. They're more of a defensive mob in the outside <laughs> shooting sort of lineup. But um, now look, I think he's probably got it just about right. There's some t- tough hombres amongst uh, that lot for sure. So yeah, look here. I think if we could get to a position in professional sports, you know, I don't think it's going to happen where you, you can kind of freely, I suppose, express yourself from a from a remonstration point of view. NHA style, just, just let them punch on for a couple of minutes well, and then send them to the know, sin bin? Clearly, you know, it's great for ratings and things like that. It's, it's clearly not a great look. You know, We just don't see a lot of it anymore. But, um, yeah, just on the Jokic Brothers um, Twitter page, I think it was I read somewhere it was the – the second quickest um, amount of followers behind what they'd seen from the power in the key Twitter handle, <laughs> you know, it just escalated. I think they got forty thousand in a couple of hours, and second only to to the um, sort of feedback we were getting once the power in the key Twitter page was launched. They can't compete with the juggernaut that is the power in the key podcast, can they, Katie? That's just uh, like trying to scale Mount Everest. Let's be honest. But uh, <laughs> after Perkins named his first team All Black Alley, I thought, Katie, I might name my first team. All fake tough guys. Now, now these are the guys that uh, like to huff and puff out on the court, but uh, I don't think they could sort of fight their way out of a wet paper bag. Now, I'm going to go with my five, Caddy. Tell me what you think of these guys. At one, I've got Dwight Howard. At two, I've got Draymond Green. At three, I've got Rajon Rondo. Four, I've actually got Pat Beverly because although he made Kendrick Perkins his first team all-black alley, what he did to Chris Paul last year in the playoffs was was uncalled for with his back turn, and then we saw him, you know, trying to get under Valanciunas' skin a couple of weeks ago. So I think he's just more bark than bite, uh, Pat Beverly. And fifth, also Russell Westbrook, who who's just very annoying out on the court as well, but I don't think he's sort of got much uh, uh, bite to his bark either. So what do you think of those t- that, that five that I've named for my first team, all fake tough guys? Now, that's a good lineup. I think they'd be coached by Kevin Garnett. I think he was the, <laughs> yes, the epitome of the fake tough guy. I think he was the one that just... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I never really saw him throw down at all, but um, huffed and puffed more than just about anyone um, going around. So he, he'd certainly be the coach of that lineup. I like the Dwight Howard inclusion as well. He, he was he was the easy inclusion for me, Dwight Howard. Yeah, maybe Demarcus Cousin off off the bench potentially. Oh yes, well. I like, like it. A bit of, a bit of um, you know, throwing the headband around uh, about him as well. So now there's been. Been a few over the journey. I, I think after um, what we saw at Jimmy Butler too on the weekend, I think he'd have to be um, yep. close to, to getting a, a Guernsey as well, potentially. Yeah, no doubt. That that was quite embarrassing. And as a Miami fan, I didn't like to see that because Butler's sort of known as a guy that, you know, he, he, we thought he was tough anyway, didn't we? Because he's one of those guys that likes to contact you in the game and, and doesn't shy away from that. So it was disappointing to see Butler going down the path of the old Jalen Rose hold me back. So... Hopefully, Caddy, we don't see too many more fights. There's been a bit of a theory that uh, we're seeing a bit of escalation coming from the fact that the uh, the referees are letting the, the players play a little bit more and there's a bit more contact and maybe the guys are a bit frustrated. So it's it's spilling out. Do, do, do you buy into that theory at all? Um, well, potentially the frustration, I, I think, certainly around the way the, the game's being refereed. But I think generally the guys that are copying it the most, you know, guys like James Harden, they're probably not the people that are going to physically kind of remonstrate. But you, you can see the, see the frustration in some of the non-calls that are happening. But I think from, a obviously, the viewer's point of view, we'd, we, we, we do enjoy that. I actually watched the college game uh, yesterday afternoon, which was the, the two-seed UCLA against Villanova. Um, normally, the college game, the, the referees debacle, and they just pick up everything. But these guys were really letting them play. And that was nearly going to spill over because 
of the lack of calls that were happening and the amount of phys- the physical nature, particularly when players were going into the paint. So, yeah, it's a bit of a fine line, and the refs do have a lot, you know, to, to control there in terms of their officiating. But I think it could be a, a valid point you make for sure. No, I like it though. I mean, I, I don't know how you feel about it. I've liked the fact that it's been more physical. There's not as many foul calls. We don't seem to be going to reviews. You know, the last two minutes of the game isn't taking 20, 30 minutes. So it's been good. So I hope that, you know, there's not too many of these sort of, if you want to call them fights and and, and the league look at it and decide to call the game a bit tighter because I, I really like it. And I didn't see that college game that you talked about. I, I, I don't watch too much college because I find it unwatchable. And, you know, the referee certainly one part of that. But, you know, it, it's certainly good to see that games at all level, you, you'd rather more contact than, you know, just, Everybody spending the game shooting free throws because free, free throw shooting is obviously the, the the most least interesting part of, of the NBA. So hopefully they keep calling it the way that they have so far, and the season continues on in the vein that it has so far. So we'll call it there, Caddy. As I say every week, thank you to everybody who t- continues to download the podcast. If you haven't jumped on Apple Podcasts as yet, please do so and give us a five-star rating. We've also got the uh, Facebook page up, Caddy, so if you can jump on there and like that, uh, that would be mu- that would be much appreciated, and we do post the episodes there every week. Until next week, we'll talk to you then.